Welcome to the Brand Youth Podcast. Do you know the promises of Scripture? Because it's not if, but when. When the storm hits your life. When you go through the valley of the shadow. What's going to fuel your perseverance? It's got to be Scripture. Hey, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Mark. He's going to uh, speak tonight. And he's going to really bring a message that I feel is timely and powerful and what we need to hear. So why don't we give him a big round of applause as he makes his way up. Mark Roslin, why don't you come on up? Mark is one of the most passionate youth pastors and pastors and people really that I've ever met. He has an incredible heart for this city. Uh, he really desires to see this entire city and this nation change. The whole world changed. Um, and he really believes in you. He really believes in youth. Uh, fun fact, um, Mark actually preached one of the best messages I've ever heard in my life. Uh, no word of a lie, he was preaching at my friend's uh, youth group out in Vancouver, and I listened to the podcast, and like I was in my car listening to the podcast, and I was like crying. I was like, Jesus, you do love everybody. Jesus, you can use broken people. And it, it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible, and I really believe he has a word for us today. Uh, so can we, can we pray for him, right? Can we just bow our heads, close our eyes, and just pray, and then let Mark bring us the word. Father God, thank you so much for Mark. Thank you for his ministry. God, we pray that you would bless Uprising. We pray that you would bless everything that's going on there. We thank you for what you do in, in lives, countless lives through that youth ministry and through Mark. God, I pray you would anoint his words, that he would be quiet and you would be loud, Jesus, and that you would just speak through him today. We love you. Amen. All right. Amen. Thanks, guys. Come on. Who loves Emilio? Come on. So good. FYI, I love this little table. Who sits at this table? That's, it's, it's good. Guys, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for uh, a long time, and uh, I do believe that God has a message. And uh, just to give you a message for you, and just to give you some insight, I don't really get nervous when I speak. Like in the beginning, I used to like shake. My cheeks would shake, but now I don't really uh, get too nervous. But tonight, I feel this, 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 this weight. And, and I think what it is, as I was, you know, worshiping Jesus and praying and, and God just speak through me and change lives, I just, I, I, maybe I'm naive, but I truly believe that a message, uh, maybe not the message, but the moment that the message creates can change everything. Uh, so I, I think tonight could change your life. And it won't be me, it won't be Terrence, it won't be Emilio, it'll be Jesus, it'll be the Holy Spirit speaking to you and moving in your life. And so, before we get started, if I could just encourage you to, to lean in, to really posture yourself in a way where God could do something in your life, to, uh, maybe you're not into Jesus, that's totally cool if you're here and you're like, God's not my thing, that's great, uh, we're glad you're here, you're in the right place, uh, but maybe... Don't talk to the person beside you because God might want to do something in their life. And you don't want to be the reason someone misses out on what God has for them, do you? No, you don't. And so uh, let's just commit ourselves for the next 20 minutes or 60 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, to just focusing and not listening to me but listening to Jesus. Uh, again, I'm so excited to be here. I brought a couple friends. They're over here. There's hair. You're, yeah, all of y'all are my friends. But these guys are from, uh, I, I brought them with me special tonight. Uh, Harrison, throw up your hand, Harrison. We got Jerry in the middle. Jerry, his real name's Jared, but we call him Uncle Jared or Jerry or Yasabusi. We got a bunch of nicknames. And we got Chris, a.k.a. Tim, but really it's Chris. Can we say hey to these guys? Say hey, Harrison, Jerry, and Chris. 
so yeah, I'm the youth pastor at Riverwood Church. Uh, we run a youth ministry called Uprising. Uh, we're a part of Uprising Conference as well. How many of you went to Uprising Conference? Everyone just put up their hand. Love it. Uprising Conference. It's happening in November. So good. Uh, I'm married. I'm married. I believe we have a picture of my wife. Come on. That's Roberta. Isn't she beautiful? She's so beautiful. I didn't want to put me and her because she just makes me look so, so bad because she's so, so good looking. Guys, marry up. Marry up. I did, and I'm so blessed because of it. I love her. She's graduating uh, from Booth University. She's becoming a social worker uh, in, at the end of this month. And, guys, she just got a job offer with uh, CFS. So she's going to be the best social worker Winnipeg has ever seen. She got that job offer on uh, Wednesday. It was crazy. Uh, so super exciting. But that's a uh, uh, – and, oh, guys, I wanted to tell you this. I have a dog. We don't have kids yet. few more years, few more years, but we do have a dog. How many of you guys like pugs? Come on. Guys, we own a pug. I wish I had a picture. I was looking. They're all bad quality, but uh, she's so cute. Her name is Nora, which is short for the notorious P-U-G. Come on. Isn't that good? We always joke around that if we get another pug, we'd call it two pug. But we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want drama. We don't want beef in the house. So we just kind of keep notorious P-U-G. But guys, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to preach. Uh, I think God has a message for us. Um, and, and this is something that God has been speaking into my life the last little while. So it's fresh in my heart. I'm excited to share it. Uh, you guys are actually beginning a brand new series on the book of Acts. Uh, about how the church kind of got started and launched and, and how the Holy Spirit kind of worked through people to empower them to, to launch uh, this movement of, of, of people who care and are kind and live different, who, who know Jesus and believe in Jesus and are trying to bring the gospel to the world. And so the book of Acts is actually, uh, it's called the, the book of Acts because it stands for the Acts of the Apostles. I was doing some research. I heard one commentary, uh, one scholar put it, that says uh, that it should have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the book of Acts, we see all these crazy, miraculous things, and, and, and it looks like it's the apostles doing it on the surface, but when you look a little deeper, you see that it's the Holy Spirit. So they said it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's actually written by this guy named Luke. The Gospel of Luke, you might have heard of it, you might have read it. Uh, it's written by the guy who wrote that, and so it's kind of like Luke, Luke 2.0. And Luke kind of deals with Jesus up to, his, uh, up to his resurrection. And then after his resurrection and the birth of the church and all of that, that's why, where Acts kind of kicks in. And so what I want to do is just read for you a couple of verses from the book of Acts. Uh, I'm just going to kind of skip around. Then we're going to talk about it. I'll explain some stuff. I'll fill in the blanks. And then we'll close in about 19 minutes and 35 seconds. Sound good? Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Guys, I love you so much. I don't even know most of you, but I love you so much. All right. So check this out. Starting in uh, Acts 1.1, if you have a Bible, open your Bible, underline it, highlight it, mark it up. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally cool. It'll be up on the screens behind me. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1, reading down to verse 9, then we're going to skip to chapter 2. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, so Luke is writing, and he actually writes Luke and Acts to a person. He's writing a letter saying, this is kind of what happened. These are the acts of the apostles. These are, these are the acts of the Holy Spirit. In the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I, I just want to stop there just for a moment. I love that word began. It implies that Jesus has started something, but he's not finished. That he began to do works. He began to teach, but he's still doing that today. 
the, the work of Jesus is not done. It's still being completed by the church, by those who would profess faith in Jesus today. All the works that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the, uh, about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John had baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, he, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they thought Jesus was going to come and start a war, and, 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 and uh, Jerusalem, Israel, was under Roman captivity. They thought he was going to finally, like, literally, physically release them from uh, captivity. And he didn't the first time. He died, and he resurrected, and he came back. So they're like, now are you going to release us from physical, literal captivity and slavery? And he says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power, and that word power, I'll talk about it a little more, but it means uh, ability. It, it means to be strengthened in order to have ability. So you will receive uh, strength for ability when, you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. FYI, that's the theme for Uprising Conference this year, to the ends of the earth. Skipping on down to chapter 2, and I'll fill in the blanks later. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, that was a festival that was approximately, well not approximately, exactly 50 days after Passover. They were all, that's the disciples, the followers of Jesus, in one place. And suddenly there came a, uh, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. So that's kind of weird. We'll talk about that more, but imagine that picture in your head, divided tongues of fire just chilling on your head. A little weird. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so that's all we'll read for right now. We'll kind of fill in the blanks. We'll talk more about these uh, passages and, and kind of what's happening uh, in this verse. But before we continue on, guys, would you uh, just bow your heads with me? I love how much you guys pray, but let's pray one more time and ask God to, to enter into this moment. Jesus, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for all of these amazing students who are just passionate about you. Jesus, thank you that you are not a God who kind of just set things into motion and dipped out, but you're here with us in this moment and you want to meet with us. God, we pray that this wouldn't be just an item that we check off the list. It wouldn't just be a repetitive thing, a ritual, something that we do on Friday nights, but this would be a special life-changing moment because we encountered your Holy Spirit. God, we know that worship can't change us and a message cannot change us, but a moment with you changes everything. And so God, that's what we pray for. That's what we ask for. God, we invite you into this space to have your way, that your will would be done in our lives. God, we love you so much. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, there's this saying, it's, it's like this. It goes like this. It says, patience is a virtue. How many patient people do we have in the place tonight? Come on, we got one, two, three patient people. Good. Like, I am the exact opposite of patient. I am impatient. Thank you very much. I have zero patience whatsoever. I cannot wait at all. 
Like, I'm so impatient. Come on, I heard you guys talking about Fortnite. Someone yelled it out, Fortnite. Okay. So here's how impatient I am. So you know how you, you're, you're playing Fortnite, you're in a lobby, you finally get into the game, that little waiting area, you're on a Spawn Island, you finally get in the game, you're running around for like 20 minutes, you kill like one or two people, the game's getting intense, you've stocked up all this lumber, all this brick, all this metal, and you finally get going and then boom, someone kills you, and it's the worst moment ever, and what do you have to do? You gotta go back to the lobby, reload the game, go to Spawn Island. Here's the thing, I'm so impatient, that I won't do it. If I'm playing Fortnite and I get killed, I'll just quit. Because I literally can't, I don't have the patience, I'm so impatient that I can't wait just a few minutes for the game to reload to get me back in the game. Guys, I'm so impatient that uh, when I met my wife and I decided that I wanted to, you know, pursue a relationship with her, I didn't say, hey, let's take things slow, let's get to know each other, let's go on a couple dates and then we'll see where things lead. I sat with her in a restaurant and I was like, yo, I want to be your boyfriend, and I want you to be my girlfriend, because I didn't want any of the waiting, and she's like, sure, let's do it, let's make it happen, uh, I do not like waiting, guys, here's the, the biggest problem, the, the biggest area in my life where this kind of uh, shows itself, my impatience is Christmas time, or, or birthdays, how many of you guys like getting gifts, come on, everyone likes getting gifts, guys, I love gifts, at Christmas time, I know pastors get on stage and they're like, guys, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the best gift. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know, but I want like a real present. Guys, my mother-in-law, she got me this Apple Watch. Come on. Like, I get good gifts from her. And so when it's Christmas time, I become so impatient. I cannot wait. I get so, so excited. Literally, three days before Christmas, I have the worst sleeps of my life. Christmas Eve, guys, I do not sleep. I'm just so impatient. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm excited for that gift. I want to wake up on Christmas morning, run downstairs, and start opening up gifts. I'm just so impatient. I hate waiting. When, I, when I'm on an airplane, like, I hate it because I have to wait six hours to get somewhere. I'm like, just teleport me, please. Like, I just can't wait. But it's interesting because as we look at this scripture that we read a moment ago, we find the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the original uh, people who kind of gave their lives to Jesus, we find them in this place of waiting. And so where we pick up the story is we kind of talked about it this whole last week and Good Friday, Jesus uh, came to fulfill the purpose that he came to earth for. He died on a cross, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was murdered, he was betrayed by the people he came to save. He hung on a cross, he died, they took him off of that cross, they put him into a tomb. He was there for uh, three days, but after three days, a couple of his followers went to check on him. And he wasn't there. The stone was rolled away and Jesus wasn't there. And Jesus appears to his followers. And, and what's crazy about this is we hear about the resurrection all the time, right? And we kind of think of it as like a fluffy thing. Like Jesus resurrected and you kind of see it as like a spirit. He resurrected in his spirit. But guys, like his physical, literal body resurrected. This was not a spiritual resurrection. It was a physical resurrection. And scripture tells us, we read it a moment ago, that he hung out with people for 40 days. And this is crazy because like it, I, I look at resurrection throughout scripture like Lazarus and it's Jesus raising someone else from the dead. So if someone else gets resurrected and, and someone else raises someone from the dead, I'm like, okay, I can handle that. But check this out. Jesus rose himself from the dead. That's just insane. So Jesus resurrects from the dead. He's hanging out with the disciples for 40 days. 
He's hanging out with them. He's eating with them. Food isn't just like going in his mouth and following, falling out of his body. He's literally uh, eating with them. And like, it, it, he's, he's a physical person. And check out what happens in Acts 1, verses 4 to 5. It says, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. I hate waiting. I can't do it. I'm impatient for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is like, listen, I need you to do something for me. I got something amazing for you, but you have to wait. He asks them to wait. Man, if that was me, I'd be so bummed out. I'd be so just anxious and, I, and wound up and just impatient. I can't wait. But he asks them to wait. He asks them to wait. And, and Jesus had been hyping up the Holy Spirit like a ton in his earthly ministry. He's like, man, someone, someone better than me is coming. Like, it's actually good that I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come. And then, man, if you think I'm great, you should see the Holy Spirit. He's like hyping it up for three years. Three years he's hyping it up. Man, the Holy Spirit is coming. Holy Spirit is coming. And then he's like, guys, it's, it's coming, but I, I just need you to wait a little longer. Come on, we've been waiting three years, Jesus. Like, let's, let's make it happen. But he's like, you guys need to wait. You know when your friends are like, come up to you and they're like, hey, I have something crazy to tell you. You're not going to believe what, just, what Samantha just did, what Joseph just did. Don't gossip, by the way. Don't do this. But you know when they do that? And they're like, ah, you, you're never going to believe it. And you're like, what, what? Tell me. And they're like, I can't tell you. I, I shouldn't, I can't. And you're like, no, you have to. You just got to let me know. And they're like, no, I can't. It's not my place. It's not my role. Sorry, man. Sorry for leaving. That's what Jesus was doing. He's like, man, the best thing ever is about to happen. This is going to be so, but, but you just, you just got to wait. I can't, I can't do it right now. So he says, listen, disciples, the Holy Spirit is coming. It's going to be amazing. It's better than me. It's good for you. He's the helper. He's the advocate. He's going to lead you to truth. It's going to be awesome, but you got to wait. So like, oh, okay, I guess we got to wait. And then this happens. Uh, it says in uh, Acts 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Come on. Thanks for helping me preach. So I love this. We in the church world, uh, if you're unfamiliar with church, again, we're so glad that you're here. But this is the Great Commission. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard this language, the Great Commission. This is kind of the, the great call that Jesus' followers should give their lives to. So he, he gives them the Great Commission. And, and I, I mentioned it before, this word power is, is, is an interesting word. In the Greek, in the original language that this was written in, the Bible wasn't written in English, FYI, is dunamis. Dunamis, it's where we get the English word dynamite. And what it means is, is, is strength. But not just strength like, ah, raw strength. Strength for ability. So you will receive uh, strength for an ability. You will be strengthened for an ability. You will be able, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be able. So what this really is saying is the Holy, you will receive the ability to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and all, you know, to the ends of the earth. It's incredible. And we think of power and we read this and we're like, what does that even mean? And ah, I'm strong Christian, I guess. Uh, it means you will receive the ability. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability. And so after this, Jesus ascends into heaven. He dips out. He's like, you thought I was gone before, but I'm back. But now for real, I'm leaving. But FYI, I'll be back. And we read about that at the end of scripture. And that hasn't happened yet. But he leaves. 
And so the, the disciples, they're, they're excited, right? Because Jesus has just promised them that the Holy Spirit would be coming and that they should wait. And so you know what the, the disciples do? They literally wait for 10 days and do nothing. Like, you know when you're so excited that you're, like, paralyzed? You're, like, just, you can't wait and you don't do anything? Like, when you're excited for vacation and, like, you just, like, sit on your bed for two days because you're just, I can't wait to get to Hawaii. I just can't wait. This is the moment that they're in. They're just so excited. They have such great anticipation. They're working out their patience, unlike me, and they wait. You know what they do in 10 days? You know how Judas had betrayed Jesus and he went and, and hung himself? He's, well, he's no longer here. Jesus said, hey, you need 12 disciples. Well, there's 11. You know what they do in 10 days? They're like, hey, uh, who should we get to replace Judas? Uh, Bartholomew or uh, Matthias? Oh, we'll take Matthias. Okay, Matthias, you're in. They call Matthias over and he's like, high five, guys. I'm so glad to be a disciple, an apostle. This is glad to be in the club. And uh, that's it in 10 days. And they just sit and they hang out and they're literally waiting. Well, scripture tells us as we continue, um, after 10 days, after 10 days, which is the, the, the uh, festival of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, which uh, is celebrated um, 50 days after the Passover. So Jesus died at Passover. He hung out with them for 40 days. 10 more days pass, and now it's Pentecost. Check out. We read this in Acts uh, chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, doing nothing. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love this, this moment in Scripture. So this whole tongues of fire thing. In the Old Testament, what would happen is God would kind of manifest himself in, in different things. Uh, a pillar of cloud or a, a, a pillar of fire. Uh, the burning bush was flame. And so there was these symbols and these, these different like physical things that God would manifest his presence into. But it was always in one spot. And it was always to one person. God was limited. Not, if you were the average person, you didn't have direct access to in a relational kind of way to God. But God said throughout the entire Old Testament, that's about to change. That's about to change. That's not how I want it to be. I want everyone to know me. I want everyone to ha have opportunity to, to communicate with me. And there's this promise over and over and over and over again. And so in this moment, what happens is the fire that was normally in one place, just chilling on me, is now on every single person in that place. And what this symbolizes is that God is now available and accessible for relationship uh, to, to, to empower, to give people ability and strengthen them. And, and grace is available and mercy is available and victory is available to every single person who would posture themselves to receive Jesus, to submit their lives to him. So rather than one person, have, person having the fire, everyone gets a little bit of fire. And I know it's a weird image, but it goes, like I said, back to the Old Testament. And basically what it's saying is God is available to all. And it's this incredible moment because this wasn't the, the fact beforehand. But Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven made it possible that God could dwell and be with every single person who would want that in their lives. And this moment also, what's really cool about it is this marks the like official launch of the church. Like, 
God's people existed before, but this was like the birth of the church, like the Holy Spirit-filled and empowered church. This is the, the inauguration. This is the opening ceremonies. This is, like, this is like game one, you know. This is the beginning. This is the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the church. It's this incredible moment. And, 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 and God's promises of, of his presence being available for everyone, to dwell with everyone, in everyone, around everyone, to lead everyone, is now finally available. And so, so this is happening, and, and, and what happens is the tongues of fire kind of uh, land on their heads, and, and it's, it's kind of bizarre. You know you don't have to understand everything about God, FYI. God is so big that you will never fully understand him, and if you ever get to the point where you think you fully understand God, something's wrong, something's off. Because we can never understand him. He's so big. We'll spend, we'll spend eternity learning new things about God. How crazy is that? Wrap your mind around that. So anyways, this is happening. They start speaking in other languages. The Bible says they start uh, speaking in tongues. And they're not just, it's not some random language. They're actually speaking in other languages. It's crazy. And they're in this house and they're speaking these languages. And people are walking by and they start hearing this. And they're like, how are these Jewish guys speaking our languages? We're from 1,500 kilometers away. I'm from 8,000 kilometers away. I'm from the other side of the world. I'm from around the street, but I'm from this country originally. And they're like, how is this going? How is this happening? And some people were astonished. But then the weird thing is some people start saying like, hey, I know what's happening here. These guys are drunk. Which is the randomest thing. I was just talking about this with a couple of your leaders beforehand. It's like, how, what, like, there's no correlation here. Like, if I all of a sudden start speaking in French and Spanish and German, you're going to be like, wow, that's crazy. This guy knows four languages? That's bizarre. That's wild. But they're like, ah, they're, they're drunk. What drunk person just learns three languages? It tells us something about the spirit of criticism, though. The spirit of criticism actually has no ground, no basis in reality. You just look for stuff. You pull stuff out of a hat to criticize. But anyways, that's not about the sermon. That's not what I want to talk about in this sermon. So they're mocking them. It says in chapter, 13, or chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But others mocking them said, Hey, you're filled with wine. These guys are drunk. I love what happens next. It says in verse 14, it says, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and he addressed them. Now I think I, up until this point in my life, I kind of just read past that. I'm like, ah, good for Peter. He lifted up his voice, and he addressed them. That's cool. But the last time I was reading this, I feel like God just revealed this to me and reminded me of that moment in Peter's life, right before Jesus had died, when he was being led down uh, to his death. Maybe you know this moment in Peter's life where he's following Jesus at a distance and it's late and there's this campfire and a bunch of people are around. And Jesus had prophesied, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, no, never, Jesus. I got your back. We're homies through thick and thin. Loyalty. And uh, Jesus, or Peter's at this campfire. And this little girl comes up and she's like, hey, you, you, you're one of the friends of Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. And he kind of walks away. Another guy comes up, hey, you, you know Jesus? He's like, no, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. Don't like that guy. Heard a bit about him. Not really my thing. Another guy comes up to him. He's hey, Jesus, or hey, Peter, saw you with Jesus the other day. This kind of sucks, hey? He's like, what? What are you talking about? You didn't, you didn't see me with Jesus the other day? That was, 
as someone else who looked like me. Beards, you know, we all look the same. And he realizes in that moment, oh crap, what have I done? Peter was silenced by a little kid. This grown man, he's a fisherman, he's a big guy, burly man. This little kid, hey, you know Jesus? No, 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 no. He's silenced. But in this moment, in chapter 2, verses 14, we read that Peter lifted up his voice. He didn't say, hey, guys, let me tell you. He lifts up his voice. He went from silence before a little, a little girl, but a, a few people. And scripture tells us that a multitude of men were gathered here. And so in front of one, two, three people, he is silent. But in a multitude of grown men, he is loud. He lifts up his voice. I look at this and I'm like, what changed? What changed? What happened? How come Peter is able to become audacious and bold all of a sudden? I'll tell you what changed. Not Peter. Peter didn't change. Peter was the same. Peter was the same. But what happened was, Peter had received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered him to live the life that God had created him to live, but he was unable, he didn't have the ability to do so on his own. Peter didn't change, but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life that God had always called, that God had created him to live. And so I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we say, well, why do we need the Holy Spirit? We have Jesus. You know, Jesus died for my sins and he resurrected. I put my faith in him. I don't really need the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit, as we learn from Scripture, as we see in this moment in the life of Peter, it's the Holy Spirit who enables us, who empowers us, who gives us the ability and the strength to live the life that God created us to live, but that we are powerless to do so on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. One of the Holy Spirit's primary roles, not his only role, but one of the Holy Spirit's primary roles is to empower us, to walk out the purpose that God has for us. And the truth is, guys, the truth is that you will never, you will never live the life that God intended for you to live if you aren't being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You will never live the life that, the, that God intended and created you to live if you are not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cannot build anything of significance or, or of eternal value on our own because it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the lives that God has created for us. I love uh, this, this series that we're in right now, God's plan. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out God's plan for our lives. And uh, I just wanna, just as a, as a side note, as a disclaimer, the, the, so scripture teaches about uh, the Trinity that God is three in, in one. Three distinct persons, but one. And it's a mystery, like I said, we gotta be comfortable with the mystery of God. Uh, so we have the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And you actually don't need the Holy Spirit to be saved. Like it's not, you don't need the Holy Spirit uh, to, to or, or sorry, uh, being saved is not the same as being empowered. Being saved is not the same as being empowered. So you can be saved and live a boring old life, an average life, a comfortable life, 
that's all about you. It's not about the kingdom, nothing of eternal value. You're not empowered, but you're saved. So being saved and empowered are two completely different things. So you can be saved without being empowered. But that kind of life, that unempowered life, life without the Holy Spirit is not the life that God intended you to live because he's got huge plans for you. He's got amazing plans for you. Things that you do not have the ability to accomplish on your own. You might be saved, but God wants you to be empowered because he's got these crazy things in store for you. You know God wants you to live an adventure of a life? If you're comfortable and cozy and chilling, God's like, get empowered because I got more. I got abundance. There's a wide open field that you can run through, but you're kind of just chilling. So being saved is not being empowered. God wants us to be empowered. He created us for this life of adventure, a life that we cannot accomplish on our own. And here's another thing, another disclaimer. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit does not mean your life will be perfect. It does not mean that your problems will disappear, right? Because Peter, you look at it, he has problems, and then he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden he's, 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 he's lifting up his voice. You're like, oh, man, if I just had the Holy Spirit, my life would, all my worries and anxiety and all this stuff would disappear. That's not necessarily the case. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered. So your life won't be perfect. But I can't help but wonder how many of the problems, how many of the issues, how many of the struggles in our lives exist because we aren't being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying your life will be perfect. I'm not saying everything will disappear. But what if there is a chance that there are some things in your life that God doesn't want to be there, but you don't have the ability to get rid of them on your own. Or God wants you to do something and because you're not doing it, you feel this emptiness, you feel this void, but you can't do it on your own because you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and given the ability to do so. Like, like maybe you really want to tell people about Jesus. You're like, man, I love Jesus so much, but I just can't bring the words out of my mouth to share the gospel with people that I know they need it. Maybe it's because you aren't empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I wonder if, if, if that struggle, that thing that you're trying to get rid of, and you, you decide and you will, you're like, man, this is it. I'm done today. It's gone. Cut off. Bye-bye. And it comes back. Maybe it keeps coming back. Maybe you keep struggling with it because you aren't empowered by the Holy Spirit. You don't have the ability to overcome. Maybe the reason you keep reliving that pain in your life that hurt that trauma is because you haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit maybe the reason you don't experience God on a daily basis and you're like man I only experience God on Fridays and Sundays maybe it's because you aren't being empowered by the Holy Spirit I'm not saying the Holy Spirit will solve all your problems but I'm suggesting that maybe just maybe there's some things in your life that if you were to be empowered would be overcome Maybe you want to start an alpha, but you, you, were, you were too scared. Maybe it's because you're not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think in most cases when things are difficult in our lives, we love to blame God. I want to suggest that it's not God's fault. In most cases, it's on us. Maybe we're not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're not able to live the life that God wants us to live. I love how this story ends, by the way. 
Peter, he lifts up his voice. You know what he does? He preaches way better than I'm preaching, way better than Emilio could ever preach or anyone you've ever heard. He preaches this amazing message, not on his own strength, because remember, just about uh, two months ago, he was silent. Now he lifts up his voice, the Holy Spirit empowers him to preach this amazing message. 3,000 people are saved because of that message. The crazy thing to me is that if Peter was not empowered by the Holy Spirit, that moment never would have happened. Odds are, if that moment never would have happened, this moment would never have happened. Peter needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so he could do the things that God was calling him to do, so he could live out God's plan for his life. So we could be here today, and God needs us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can live out God's plan for our lives because 2,000 years from now, there's gonna be a, a church building with a bunch of kids in it and a bunch of babies in it and a bunch of old people in it who will be able to point to Grant Youth. Say thank you, Grant Youth, for being empowered, for opening yourself up to the will of God. Thank you that you allowed God to give you the ability to accomplish His plan for your life. You know, it's impossible for us to, to be who God wants us to be without the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about this just today. It's impossible for us to be who God wants us to be without the Holy Spirit. And if we're not able to be who God created us to be, then God cannot be glorified. And did you know that God's greatest desire is to be glorified? Like some people are like, man, God's greatest desire is to love me. You know, God is jealous for his own glory. They're like, that's weird. He's God, he can do what he wants. He's jealous for his own glory. So as we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out God's plan for our lives, God is glorified. And we now all of a sudden have this ability to be who God wants us to be. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out God's best plan for our lives. As we close, I just wanna share uh, one quick story with you and then we'll wrap it up. We'll head to our small group, sound good? Okay, so Wednesday was perhaps the craziest day of my life. Uh, not only did my wife get a phone call and say, hey, you got this awesome job. It's her dream job, FYI. We had been, uh, we have youth on Wednesday nights. Our youth group is uprising. We have uprising on Wednesday nights. We had this big event. It was called Neon Glow Party. We, uh, we came to the realization maybe a month ago that we are powerless to create the ministry in the space for students that God wants Uprising to be on our own. We're like, man, we can't do it. It's too much pressure, it's too much work. Like we could come up with the best strategies, we could give away the best things, like we could give away free beer and pizza every single week. And we could not become who God wants us to be and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. So we're like, man, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the ability to be who God wants us to be. We need to get empowered. And so you know what we started doing? We started praying every single day. Our staff, we sent out an email to every prayer warrior at Riverwood and said, pray. Pray, 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 because we believe that God wants to do something crazy at Neon Glow Party. We were praying for 150 students, and our youth group is about 100 kids on average. 
So we're like, let's pray for 100 students. We believe God wants to do something crazy. So we're sending it out to everything. We started doing this thing called Fasting Fridays, where on Friday, myself and a few other people, we wouldn't eat. And every time our stomachs rumbled, we'd be like, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. You know, this is a, an opportunity to connect with the Holy Spirit to pray to Jesus. And so we did. We did that for a, a, about a month. And then Neon Glow Party happened Wednesday. Guys, so what we do a countdown like you do. We did a five-minute countdown. There were so many people at Neon Glow Party that we had to restart the countdown video four times because it was taking forever to check them in. All the students have to sign in. It was taking forever. There was a lineup out the door right before the service started after restarting. This countdown video went on for like 12 minutes. It was a five-minute countdown. We checked the numbers. We had 200 students show up. And I don't say that to be like, oh, Mark's great, uprising is great, lots of kids, because it wasn't us. It wasn't us. Why, why I share this story is because we started relying on the Holy Spirit, asked the Holy Spirit to empower us, to move through us. We said, hey, no strategy, no, no event, nothing could, could accomplish what God wants to accomplish. So we're just gonna trust in Jesus and try to get in line with what he's doing and be a part of what God is doing. And God doubled our youth group on Wednesday night. And it was the craziest moment. About uh, 15 students gave their lives to Jesus. And we had uh, a, a ton of students just stand up and say, hey, we want to be a part of the church and what God is doing in this community. It was the most incredible night that I've ever experienced. And it was because we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. I wonder what would happen if every single person here would posture themselves in a way like Peter and the, the apostles and, 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 and leaders before us said, Holy Spirit, come into my life and give me the power, the strength, and the ability to do what I cannot do on my own. What if every single one of you did that? Put yourself in that place and said, Holy Spirit, empower me. I want to li live the life that you planned for me. I want to live God's plan. Man, I just walked in here and I saw these curtains. I'm like, what would it look like if you had to knock down the curtains? And you got these rows filled with students. And then all of a sudden, Emilio's like, yo, open the stairs because we got to get students up in the balcony. When we align ourselves and posture ourselves in a way that the Holy Spirit can use us, we are actually able to accomplish God's plan for our lives. And scripture says that God's plan is that every single human being on earth would know Jesus. When it says that, I believe it with all my heart. And so I just have this idea in my head, maybe it's idealistic, I think it's biblical more than anything, where if we would get empowered, God would do more than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And he would move through us in ways we couldn't comprehend. That fear that you have, that struggle that you have, that thing that's holding you back, it would be overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think if each and every single one of us were allow the Holy, would allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and strengthen us, man, crazy things would happen. We'd have a lineup out the door. Winnipeg would be reached. And 200 students on a Wednesday night is cool, but guys, that's not enough. Because there's 80,000 students like yourselves in this city. And we know that about 75,000 of them don't know Jesus. So we got some work to do. But it's not gonna be on our strength. It's gonna be on God's strength. It's gonna be through the Holy Spirit. I wanna pray for you really quick, and then I'm gonna come up. Gotta be, gotta be, gotta be, gotta be scripture. Gotta be scripture. Gotta be, gotta be, gotta be, gotta be scripture. Gotta be scripture.